For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening, but there's a bit of squad rotation this week as Cole has been given a well-earned rest, which means leading the line and returning from his break is James. So James, it's been a little while, but how have you been? Yeah, not too bad, thanks mate. Uh, happy to be leading the line. Um, obviously, we're going to miss Cole a lot, but uh, but hopefully we've got enough in us to, to carry on. Much like Tottenham in Harry Kane's absence, hopefully one of us can step up. Fantastic analogy there, James. Well done already. And also making her second appearance of the season so far is Holly. So Holly, it's a pleasure to have you back on. I hope all is well. All is good, thanks. No, I'm glad to be back. I really enjoyed it last time, so wait, this one is just as good. Yes, fingers crossed. And I'm also handing out another debut cap tonight. It goes in the direction of Shivani. So Shivani, thanks for joining us tonight. I hope you're looking forward to talking all things Tottenham. Thanks, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Right, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect Sunday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come New Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms which is Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You name it, we're on there. Right, let's get down to business and that business is the fact that we beat Manchester City on Sunday in what I guess was an encounter full of drama. So James, on last week's show, I mentioned to our good friend Mickey Hazard that Jose Mourinho needed a statement victory. And it seems after yesterday's performance, that is exactly what was delivered. However, how important will that be, not just for the players, but for the manager himself? Massive. Yeah, it's, it's massive for Tottenham as a club. It's massive for the players. And you're right to say it's massive for Jose. Um, you know, we, we've been struggling in front of goal. Um, we, we haven't been as defensively solid as, uh, as we thought we were going to be when we, when we brought Jose in. Um, but that all turned around you know, yesterday. That was an absolutely brilliant performance from back to front. We've managed to keep a clean sheet, whether that be through luck or through skill. But you know, we've, we've managed to keep a clean sheet against one of the, the, the most potent attacking teams in Europe. Um, we've, we've absolutely bossed a midfield um, that we, we would never expected to, to boss. We've kept one of the best players in the world. Uh, under wraps in Kevin De Bruyne and we've scored two fantastic goals so um, a lot to be happy about um, and, and you know Jose can take an awful lot uh, of, of the credit because he set us up in, in, in a great way um, there's a lot of players who, who you'd call his players in that team players like Tanganga and Burwine. you know they're, they're not Pochettino players they're, they are Jose players now and you know he's he's taken us in the right direction, and and you're right to say we needed a big win like this to to, to kind of show everyone what we we're about. And Holly, what did you make of the lineup? Because when you look at the litany of attacking names, it's not as if you you could accuse Mourinho of necessarily parking the bus. I mean that in the sense that it wasn't a classic Mourinho offering in terms of starting eleven. No, I think this whole parking the bus malarkey is a bit old school at the moment. I think Jose's coming to Tottenham and with the lineup yesterday. I thought, actually, you know what? I think we have a good chance here. Um, the, the likes of, obviously, Serge at the back that scares me, as I keep saying. But <laughs> I thought yesterday, he played all right. And to be fair, at times, yes, it did look like City were going to score. But we counter-attacked them very well. And at many times, I thought also we had a lot more chances than what we actually came away with. And that was that 2-0. So, yeah, I think this whole parking the bus thing is kind of not the new Jose or the humble Jose, shall we say. I think that kind of needs to be 
dug deep into the ground and forgotten about because I think yesterday, yes, times we looked like we defended quite a bit, but we also gave them what they were giving up. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very fair statement you make there, Holly. And Shivani, people will point to the fact that we had such little possession and especially when you compare shots on goal between us and Man City. But I guess that really was the ultimate display of not having a lot of the ball, but being really effective when you have. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to us how, how much we had the ball and how many shots we had. We won the game. And the fact that we managed to keep a clean sheet, I think, I mean, OK, yes, we got a bit of luck. Um, but we did really well to do that. I thought we were a lot better in the second half. Um and actually, in the end, it was a really good game of football. Um, like you said, I think we had what two two shots on target, and we scored both of them, or we had three shots or something. I mean, it was I mean it was a bit embarrassing when you look at the stats. But at the end of the day, no one's going to remember the stats. They're going to remember the fact that we won the game. Absolutely. I mean, people do get wrapped up in stats, and there's nothing wrong with that. But fundamentally, it's about the goals you score, and sometimes it works in your favour. Yesterday it did massively, sometimes it doesn't. I think sometimes you've just got to sort of roll with the punches. And Holly, we certainly did roll with the punches in the first half. It was incredibly feisty. We'll get to more of that in a moment. But, you know, the longer the game went on, we grew more and more in stature. However, it's fair to say we looked really nervy to start with. So, were we riding our luck at times in the first half? I mean, I think it'd be wrong for me to sit here and say, no, we didn't. We had the <laughs> I don't think we did. I mean, there was, I think... There was a couple of chances where I thought, oh, my God, something's going to go wrong here. We're going to not be able to ride this luck any longer. But luckily we did. I mean, I don't know. I think it's something sort of clicked. I don't think it's right there right yet. But I think this back ball that's consistent. I love Jan Vertonghen, but I don't know. This whole Tanganga, Sanchez, Toby and uh, Serge, as I like to say it sometimes, I think is working. I think... Because they're all playing together all the time now and it's more consistent, I think they're starting to learn, look, actually, I think sometimes we can ride our luck a little bit and still get away with it because their last ditch defending yesterday was pretty decent and there was bodies on the line for once, which I haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah, I mean, it certainly takes a few years off your life expectancy, but, you know, there is something to be said about cohesion and continuity in a back four and it is going to take time, but you are right, it's, it is certainly starting to click. There's more and more evidence of that. And also, Shivani, there's evidence of Hugo Lloris' influence once more because, you know, how influential was he yesterday in that clean sheet? We'll get to the penalty drama further on, but, you know, we shouldn't forget he made an incredible save from Sergio Aguero. That outstretched foot onto the post. Sometimes you've just got to hold your hands up and say that's a great bit of goalkeeping, don't you? Yeah, he had an amazing captain's performance yesterday. I mean, I actually, I actually thought, I mean, there was a few players who stood out for me yesterday, but I thought Hugo was actually man of the match. Uh, which is funny because actually when he came back from injury, I wasn't so sure if he should get straight back into the team or not because uh, Gazaniga was doing really well. Um, but I think he's as soon as he's come back, he's proved to everyone just how much we've actually missed him. I think the back four are starting to look a lot more comfortable um, with him being back. So I think it's given us quite a boost at the back, to be honest. Right, James. Like Serge Aurier, let's dive straight into the VAR conversation. So... First, can I get your take on the initial flashpoint, that being the Aurier tackle on Sergio Aguero? And did you think that was a penalty? Yeah, um, and unfortunately, I can't really defend um, Sergio. Well, just much like Aurier, I can't really defend <laughs> him him here um, because you know why he was he was trying to get around um, get around the player 
in the way he did. It just seems stupid with me. He's gone with the wrong leg. He's, he doesn't need to kind of try and stretch around him. Um, he, he's facing away from goal. He's, he's not really posing any threat in the position that he's in. Sorry, uh, he's got to do his jockey him and, and, and keep him facing away from goal and, and don't do anything rash, which has been something that has kind of summed up his time at Tottenham. Um, really, you know, a few a few penalties that he's been that he's given away that we we've, we've all thought, why why would you bother? You know, what 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 is the point? You've you've put us in in a in a dangerous situation when you just didn't need to. Um, and it was the same again. Um, when you you know you ask about the VAR situation, though, you know that that was a Stonewall penalty that. that that they should have seen straight away. Mike Dean should have seen that straight away. Um, this is what VAR was brought in for. Um, so I, I, I agree that it, it should have gone to VAR and it should have been given as a penalty. However, there should never have been the two, two and a half minute gap that, that we did see in the game because, you know, it, I've, I've seen it, uh, the question asked today, what, what would have happened if a goal had been scored in that two minute spell? Um, you know, in between the, the foul being committed, uh, it being admitted to VAR and the penalty being given, you know, what if Tottenham have scored in, in that interval? Does that goal get disallowed and the penalty gets awarded? What if Man City had scored? Because then technically you've paid advantage for a penalty, which, you know, which is something that is is just mental. Um, so, you know, that that is something that really needs clearing up for me. Surely it would be much easier for a VAR assistant watching the game on a screen to just whisper in Mike Dean's ear, you need to go back for the penalty. There's no need for the two and a half minute wait. There's no need for the VAR announcements in the stadium that, that sour the atmosphere, turn the fans on, on, on the referee and turn the fans on VAR. Just a whisper in the referee's ear. Referee needs to just signal that the VAR's told him it's a penalty, much like they do in rugby. Uh, just a quick, a, a, you know, a quick word in the ear, you've missed something. Go back, give the penalty, and then there's the, you know there's no need for that farce. Um, it's it's a it's a really random system for me, and and it could be so much easier um, because in the end the right right decision was made, um, but it just didn't need to be that complicated. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, people around me in the ground were confused. They were like, "Well, what's going on?" And in the letter of the law, as it stands, what was happening in front of us was correct. But you're absolutely right that shouldn't be really the letter of the law because it shouldn't take three minutes of a game continuing with the ball, not going out of play, not going dead for them to finally actually go, right, back to the penalty spot. You should be, like you say, someone's in your ear going, just stop it now, call it back. Because if Spurs did score, that would eventually get called back for a penalty and they'd be, you know, you'd be up in arms. So luckily it didn't go that uh, bonkers, but it certainly was um, boring on fast call, if nothing else. So Holly, of course, if it seems as if Lloris has a bit of a hoodoo over City when it comes to penalties. It literally was not the best penalty from Ilkay Gundogan, but when you need your key men to stand up, and be counted, he did exactly that. Oh, Hugo's... He, I call him Hugo Bossman. He's so... <laughs> I mean, like I said, like Shavina... Uh, sorry, I said your name wrong. I'm really sorry. Um, like we said earlier about um, Gazaniga, I, like I said, when Lloris came back, I didn't know whether he would be able to be at that level he was before his injury, but he definitely proved it yesterday. I mean, stick him in a goal any time and I'd be confident that he'd definitely get a hand for something. He is literally a legend. Of course, Giovanni. Seconds after that, there was almost a rush of blood from our uh, French goalkeeper because it went back to VAR. Now, do you think Sterling went to ground too easily? If so, should he have been shown a second yellow card? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what it looked like. Um, I was sitting right behind that goal, actually. Um, 
And it did look like Sterling had dived. So everyone was obviously going a bit nuts, saying, how is he not getting the second yellow? Um, I have watched it back, and it, I don't know. It sort of it looks like he's going to ground already. I think Lloris does touch him, but I think maybe the reason they didn't give another penalty was because he was already falling. I'm not really sure. It was a bit of a weird one for me, because when I saw it back, um, you know, I was sort of questioning why they didn't give it. But at the time... 100 percent I thought um, I thought he dived and uh, he should have he could have been sent off twice yesterday actually yeah absolutely we'll get to that in just a second because I think really with sterling in the sense that he was definitely inviting the contact now whether that constitutes an actual dive that's the sort of gray area I think on another day you might have seen another referee give a penalty which is another issue with VAR because it's still subjective so yes you've got a man on the pitch who We'll have one opinion. You'll have another man in another place having another opinion. But again, these are two human beings who could differ to another set of referees. So that's not, you know, cut and dry by any stretch of the imagination. And James, we talk about Raheem Sterling, and you're absolutely right, Giovanni. There's no reason why he shouldn't be sent off earlier because that tackle um, earlier in the game. Like, how on earth is he not red carded for that? Because that looked really, really naughty on the telly. Exactly, and it, it, it is exactly the same as. Um, the Alabama Yang tackle um, a couple of weeks ago. You know, he's, he's gone. Yeah, he has gone for the ball, um, but he's he's missed the ball. He's over the top, and he's and he's made contact with um, with the top. It can be a really really dangerous place to, to catch a player. Um, you know, if you look at uh, Roger Johnson's tackle on Eduardo a couple of years ago, the one that that had had his his leg pretty much slapped, snapped in half. It was very very similar to that in that a player goes in with his studs up, and all all you've got to do. Um, it, all, all the player, the, the the player just has to has a bit too much weight on that on that leg, and uh, and it's a career-ending injury. Um, so you know, if he catches Delhi a little bit higher, or if Delhi has a little bit more um, weight on that leg, um, then then Sterling goes right through it, and and that's that's a young, promising footballer's career um, down the drain. So you know, and for for a referee, and then especially a video referee to watch that back. Um, to watch it at real time, watch it in slow motion, to to decide that that was still only a yellow card is is absolutely ridiculous. You know, it, it really does make you question whether these these VAR referees are in it to to improve the game or whether they're you know whether they're still trying to protect their their on-field referee friends. You know, they they don't want to call each other out. They don't you know they they're part of the ref at the end of the day. They don't want to call each other out. So. It's a real problem because it's difficult. It's, it's you know look look back at Harry Kane not getting that penalty at Aston Villa uh, against Aston Villa at the start of the season. How can you watch these incidents back and and decide against it? It is it's ridiculous. So you know Sterling was very very lucky. You know that that should have been a red card straight away. As it were, it was only a yellow card, um, and then to not get a, a yellow card for for. Trying to to juke the referee, which is which is what he's done. He doesn't need to go to ground, uh, you know. As you rightly say, he was he was already going to ground before Larice has even got anywhere near him, and and the contact that Larice makes is minimal. But he's already halfway down, so you know he's trying to juke the referee. That's that's a another yellow card, and Sterling should be off the pitch. Um, you know, some some weird weird decisions, and uh, at the moment we seem to be on the wrong end of all of them. And Holly, James mentions that Raheem Sterling was lucky. I guess Deli Ali was lucky not to have a serious injury. So what did you make of his overall performance yesterday? Uh, not great, but not bad. I've seen him play a lot worse. 
us maybe getting that knock early on, maybe setting back and got in his head a little bit. But I don't know. At the moment, it seems a bit relaxed and not really wanting to get amongst it. Um, but like I say, like if that was any higher that tackle, that would have been a leg breaker, basically. And I was thinking as well, if Mike Dean didn't give a yellow for that and it just went straight to VAR, would it have been a red maybe? Like, is it because he's made that yellow card to start with that the ref in the video camera has been like, yeah, good call, mate. Like, that if is, he did have anything, yeah. maybe, would that have changed the decision and given a straight red? I don't know. But in terms of Deli Ali's performance, I don't know. It's a bit relaxed at the minute. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of people carried the load for him, so I don't think people will necessarily have the daggers out. But you are right in the sense that it wasn't really kind of the Deli Ali that we know and love, don't we? So, you know, there is still a lot of room for improvement for him, shall we say. So, Shivani, obviously, we've gone through the penalty drama. But do you think that was the wake-up call that Spurs needed? Because we've sort of suggested that we perhaps rode our luck, or we did ride our luck in the first sort of 20, 25 minutes or so. But then, you know, someone like yourself who was in the ground as well, you just filled an almighty roar after that. It was like, right, this is our game to get sort of round the scruff of the neck and go on and win it. And you can almost sense the players picking up off that, couldn't you? Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I think the whole fight that happened after it as well really just fired up the players a little bit more and just gave them a bit of a kick up the backside, basically, to to go on and actually push to go and win the game. Um, I think the way I was thinking about it is like, just, I mean, before half-time, it was just like, just get to half-time at nil-nil, let the players go in and, you know, we can come out and really fight for this win. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that saving the penalty and then obviously them not being given the other penalty for Sterling's, let's call it a dive. Um, yeah. I do. I think it really fired them up. And I think from that moment on, the game did change. Yes, James. And if that was the case, it certainly sort of meant the second half started a bit cold again because I think we rode our luck, what, three minutes after the interval? A bit of a calamity. On another day, you're pointing fingers. You're probably basing a whole podcast on who's done what wrong. But thankfully, as was suggested earlier, bodies were on the line. It seemed to just about dig us out of a hole, didn't it? Yeah, I think I think that's... Uh, we've, we've talked about the good side of Hugo Bellaris, how he, he you know, fills his def- uh, defenders with confidence. He, he seems to step up for us at the right time. But then there's, all, there's the downside of him is that he can be a little bit um, rash in his decision-making, um, especially when it comes to situations just like those where he comes flying off his line. Um, you know, you've only got to look at, at City. Uh, um, I think away was it last year or the year before? He comes flying out and, and completely misses the ball with his head. Um, you know that that should be Tanganga's ball, and it should be it should be straight off the park. That's there's there's no two two ways about it. Um, but you know they get mixed up, um, and uh, you know on another day that that's a very very easy goal for Man City. Um, as it were, they they kind of messed around with it, and and by the time that they they've got the ball free again, um, Toby was back on the line. Um, you know, I think Serge was back on the line as well, and and it, it blazed over the bar. But you know that that's that's where where Hugo maybe is a little bit rusty because he's been out for a while. But he's he's got to be more commanding in those those kind of situations. If it is going to be his ball, he needs to come through like a steam train, and Tanganga's got to get out of the way, or, or you know, or he should just be shouting at Tanganga to get that ball off the park. Um, either way, it would have been a goal of our own. Uh, our own making, but it wasn't. And 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 I think you know, as we've said enough times tonight, it, we we rode our luck, and it, it was almost like we were meant to win that game yesterday. The amount of times that we got away with with little things, some of the flicks and tricks that we saw from seasons gone by were actually coming off rather than rather than not, which is what we've seen over the last year or so. Um, and and it, you know, it felt like we had our, had our Tottenham back. We had we had midfielders who were playing the ball around. Some really, really tidy football in the middle, um, and and some really exciting players up front, and, and a really sturdy defence. So it was, 
you know we can we can highlight moments like that Larice Klanger or we can we can look at the at the good side and you know everything was just you know the stars were aligned for us last night. And Holly, if the penalty drama was the ignition spot, then the sending off of Zinchenko was certainly the real turning point of the game. Now I guess this is evidence of City's tactical fouls finally catching up with them. I don't know about you, but I always felt Zinchenko was going to be their weak link, and it pretty much showed. Come on, the hour. Yeah, I don't really know what he's thinking. I mean, when you watch it, you see Harry Winks blasting forward, and it was really nice to actually see him run with the ball rather than passing it backwards. And then you watch Shoshenko's eyes, and you see he's not looking anywhere near the ball. His intent is to get Harry Winks out of the way, and he does that. And yeah, I think it was about time that they uh, got rewarded a few yellow cards because it was a madness all over the pitch. Um, and yeah, so getting the two yellows, red, you're off, mate. See you later. So no, I think it was um, definitely a red card, obviously, with that yellow. We were away with the wind with Harry Winks driving out from that corner that they uh, did really, really bad. But yeah, they definitely deserved to have that red card. And it was like, yeah, it's all weighed up now. You get what you deserve. And Shivani, just moments later, Stephen Bergwijn gets his first goal for the club. What a goal it was. And we spoke about the importance of the win for Mourinho. But how important will that and the goal be for the Dutch forward after he opens his account in perfect fashion? Oh, I think it's massive. I mean, first of all, to score in your debut um, is always you know, a huge boost for any player. But to score in a game like that, uh, when, the, when the game was so charged up at the time as well, and to score in that way, I mean, the goal was absolutely incredible. Uh, the way he just, the way he took it down and just hit and goes bottom corner. I mean, it was actually unreal. Um, that's going to be huge for him, though. It's a huge boost. Now, I think for the fans as well to see a player come in, start straight away, which is quite unusual. It's not something Poch would have done. Uh, which obviously, I think it was the right decision. Um, and now it's going to give him the confidence to go on and, you know, it's go on and keep improving. Um, like he's already said in the interview, I think he said, um, I can do more. You haven't, you haven't seen anything yet, basically. So, you know, you can tell that that's given him a bit of a confidence boost. And I think that that will go on to improve his, his future at the club. And James, obviously the element of frontline agility is going to be useful over the next few months. That said, the transfer window is now closed. There's going to be no new signings until the summer. So how will the lack of focal point affect us? A lot of people sort of, certainly in the first half, looking at this and thinking, oh no, a lack of striker, it's all going wrong. Are they fair concerns or are fans looking for negatives that aren't really there? Uh, I, I think this this game was, wasn't was one that we can really judge it by. Um, the, you know, there could be an argument for um, the lineup that we went with, even with a fit Harry Kane, probably would have been better. You know, you look at um, our performance against Man City away in the Champions League last year, it relied heavily on us, us leaving our, our fast players um, up front, ready for the counter attack, and and that was the same um, against City this time. You're not going to get much possession against City, so sometimes you're better off um, with, with your with your quicker players on the pitch. Um, that said, it, it, not every game is going to be like that. In, in in the majority of games with the footballers we've got on the park, we're going to have more of the ball. Um, they're going to sit deeper, and you know you, that's where you need that focal point. That's where that Fernando Lorente type was, you know, was quite handy if we if we wanted to play a ball into the box and and have players playing off him. Um, so I think we're gonna we're gonna miss uh, that focal point striker in in games against lesser opposition who are gonna sit back and and be happy to defend against us. Um, you know, I think I think we looked much better when when Son was was playing that central role um, rather than uh, Lucas Moura. Um, 
however we, you know it is there uh, sometimes you're watching us attack and you are literally looking at a gaping hole um between the two center halves where where Harry Kane would be and 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 you know there's just no one filling that gap so you know you know you can, you can claim that that having the three fluid um attackers two three fast players um kind of makes up for it but I think we're gonna, we are going to seriously struggle against teams who sit back and, and are, who are happy to, to have 10 men behind the ball um, because not everyone is going to play as open as Man City and they're not going to give us as much space uh, behind the ball um, so you know I, I think we will struggle in, in games to come And Holly if there was a lack of focal point it didn't show 8 minutes after the first goal because then Hume Min Song slammed home a second that really was the icing on the cake for the afternoon wasn't it so what did you make of his showing and more importantly has he finally regained his confidence? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, in the last couple of games, we haven't really seen a lot of Son or we've seen Son do too much, I feel, personally. And when he's had a shot, he hasn't really found the net, let alone the back of the net. But yeah, yesterday, it was something different. I think, like we said, with Stephen coming in and with Vaselso, who are very positive players going forward, I think it's just given a bit more of a boost, a bit more of a freedom and a bit more confidence. Obviously, I'd like to point out as well, Tangai, when he slipped that ball in like after like a couple of minutes to being on as well, finding that killer pass through to Sonny so he could easily tap it over near post. I think, yeah, I think he's definitely found his shooting boots once again. Yeah, and I think we're all the better for it, aren't we? So staying on the, cop- the, sorry, the topic of confidence, Giovanni, how much has Giovanni Lo Celso grown over these past few weeks? And is that now down to Ericsson finally departing? It's a case of, right, you know, this is your role. Go off and flourish and show us what you're really all about. Yeah, he's come on massively. Um, I think the past, you know, the last few games he's played, he's been one of the best players on the pitch every time. Um, I really like him. I think maybe he just struggled at first because of his injury. Like, he, he was out injured for, you know, quite a while at the beginning when he first joined uh, and then sort of struggled to find his place in the team. I think part of it might be that Ericsson's, Ericsson's gone, uh, but he was starting to show signs of, you know, improvement before Ericsson left. So... I don't know, but I think he's a great player and I, I would quite like to see him starting every game, to be honest. Well, I think he's almost one of the first names on the team sheet now with these set of performances. I think, like I say, with Ericsson gone, there's no real direct rival. It's a perfect opportunity for him to yeah, show, sort of show, yeah, show what he can do. And I think, hopefully, fingers crossed, we will really see him kick on in these like, final few months of the season and that could be a real timely boost to our top four hopes, which we'll discuss in a bit. So, James, confidence seems to be a, a topic which is running through the veins of the team yesterday. Jafit Tanganga again stood up and looked like a player far more senior than his age. Now, someone, I can't remember who, so apologies if I'm nicking your thoughts here, but they mentioned a Euro 2020 call-up. Do you think he can make a late surge to the England squad? Absolutely. There's, there is, there's no reason why not. I think um, he's, he's a really attractive player. If you're Gareth Southgate, uh, just because of his versatility, you know, you, you, instead of taking uh, two left backs, two right backs, and, and four centre backs, however however many they get, why not take Jafet Tanganga? He can be all all three. You know, that, that's why we've we've praised Eric Dyer for so long, and, and Eric Dyer's been in the Tottenham setup and the England setup for so long because his uh, his ability to to play as a, as a centre back, to play in midfield, even even filling at right back, which you know we haven't seen, he is capable of doing. Um, so Tanganga, why not? You know, he's we've we've hardly seen him at centre back, which is supposedly his, his best position. Um, we we've only seen him at right back once, which is his second best position. You know, he's been playing his his third best position, uh, and he's played some of the best players in 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 those positions, and and he's and he's played really well. You know, keeping Sadio Mane at bay on his debut, 
Um, I thought he was brilliant against Mares. He was great against uh, even Kevin De Bruyne when he was over that side trying to make crosses. Um, you know, this lad, uh, his ceiling is, is so high and, you know, Mourinho has to take a lot of the credit for that. You know, it's something that, that Pochettino would never have done uh, throwing him in at the deep end. Uh, much the same as, as Bergwijn, you know, we wouldn't have seen him for weeks if um, Pochettino was still in the setup. So, you know, as much as I miss him, it's something that we wouldn't have seen. Um, so, you know, Tanganga, he's, he's riding high on his confidence. Just hopefully he can stay fit. Hopefully he can he can stay in the team and 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 you know he can he can just keep this this run of form going because you know otherwise Gareth Southgate's going to have to turn his head and 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 sit up and notice that this kid is is something special uh, and maybe if the Euros is a little bit too soon then certainly he should be looking ahead at, at, at the next World Cup. Well, Holly, another person looking to book his place is Harry Winks, and I guess if he continue his performances for Tottenham, then that's going to be good for both club and country. Yeah, definitely. I mean. I've loved Harry Winks ever since he's played for us. He's a Tottenham lad through and through. Um, in, at the start of the season, I thought he was a bit iffy just because I've got really high expectations, as we all do. But in recent weeks, I think, like I said again, that this consistency is starting to come through with Lo Celso starting all the time. He's starting to learn how Lo Celso works and how Harry Winks works. And together, I think that's a pretty decent partnership. Yeah, because Shivani, what's your take on Harry Winks? He seems to be a player you either fully appreciate well, you don't quite get what he's about. I mean, yesterday, you look on paper and you look at the pairing of the Celso and Winks and you might think, do you know what? That's a bit lightweight and you might sort of fear the worst. However, they showed it was anything but. Yeah, um, I like Harry Winks. I, I love his passion. Uh, he tries hard. You, you can't say that, you know, out of all the players on the pitch, even if he has a bad game, he gives 100% in every performance, I think. Um, I think at times, um, I think his performance dipped a little bit this season. But yesterday he was back to pretty much his best. You know, he, he looked much more on top of his game, um, much more on form. Uh, I th- it's like when he went for- when he drove forward with the ball, um, and when when he got taken out, basically rugby tackled to the floor. It was an- it was much nicer to see him doing things like that again, rather than um, like one of you said before. I think uh, passing it backwards or passing it sideways, which is what I think people were starting to get frustrated with when watching him recently. Uh, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter sort of slating him a little bit uh, and saying that they can't stand watching him play and things like that, which I think is harsh. Uh, I'm not his number one fan, but I do like him. And if he carries on performing like that, I don't see why he can't start every game too. Absolutely. I guess, James, it boils down to a player of that ilk. Are you effective or are you efficient? And I mean that in the sense that if you're efficient, you're neat, you're tidy, you're doing what Siobhan says, you know, you pass it backwards, sideways, to no real great effect. However, if you are the opposite, you know, you're driving forward, you might even be creating assists, dare I say, scoring goals. So do we want more of the latter rather than the former? I think, you know, I think it's a real misconception about Harry Wings that he, that he only passes the ball backwards. I think, it, you know, it's it's not true at all. I think a, a lot of the time, there's there's nothing going on in front of Wings. And, and you know, that that's what's been happening recently, you know, it's, from the start of this season onwards is that we've had nothing going on ahead of them. And so he errs on the side of caution and keeps the ball. And for me, as a, you know, as a, a appreciator of a player like Harry Winks, I'd much rather us keep possession than, than just, you know, hit and hope. What's, what is the point in, in trying to hit a, a long ball or, or trying to force a pass that isn't on? If we, you know, if when we can try and keep the ball for five minutes and, and try and score, a, you know, a goal another way around. So, 
you know, that's the, that's the kind of player I appreciate. Someone like, you know, Michael Carrick, he was one of the most important players in the Man United team that, that won endless, endless trophies. So, and you know, and you never heard United fans criticising him. And you need someone in that team that, that makes you tick, that, that you know, is, is, yeah, maybe is a little bit more casual in possession, but it's not his role to, to create chances. And, and when he's playing against someone next to, uh, next to someone like, Lo Celso with someone like Ali, it's their job to be creative and their job to, to, to keep everything moving. I think Harry Winks does a really, really important job in this Tottenham team. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned us being a little bit lightweight in midfield. And the, the, the distance that he covers more than makes up for, for the fact that he isn't the biggest bloke in the world. You know, he's nearly covering 12k a game uh, and he's, you know, he's absolutely everywhere. He's, he's a brilliant tackler of the ball, great in possession. Uh, and and uh, you know he lessens the need for a big bulky defensive midfielder in the Wanyama Dyer mould because of how good he is um, off the ball and and how clever he is on the ball. So you know I think it's a real misconception that he's a that he's a, a you know a bread and butter footballer. I think he's he's one of the technically best players in our team. Right, James, I'll stay with you because we need to talk about the transfer window and the ins and outs. So it seems as if we finally or you know we've got rid of the players who don't want to be there. Is this going to allow for a more harmonious atmosphere? Can we allow ourselves to say this is a finally a new chapter? Is that too much of a full storm? Like, how do you see these next few months panning out? I think it's massive. You know, every I, I don't I never believed in the rumours that there were was a toxic atmosphere behind the scenes. I, I I never bought into that because you know these are these players are a group of mates. So you, you know, you look at the tweets when Ericsson left. Eric Dyer and, and Jan Vertonghen, we were all sending out goodbye, thank you, Christian, and all these tweets. They were all good mates, and, and there was no way there was a toxic atmosphere. Danny Rose, yeah, he probably he probably upset a few of, a few of his mates with the interviews with the Sun and, and this, that, and the other, but I still believe that it was all very harmonious. I think that, you know, the main problem was that everyone knew that these players didn't want to be there anymore. They, they did want to leave and they did want to do something else with their careers. Now that they are out the door, we can, we can begin planning life after them. You know, we can, you know, we can say to someone like Giovanni Lo Celso, you are our, our main creator in this team. We can say to Tanganga uh, and we can say to Sessignon, we can say to Ben Davis when they're back, you are the left back in this team now. Um, I, I, you know, I never believed that it was toxic, but there were all, always issues and, and you know you've only got to look at social media after the game yesterday um to, to just you know to see how these players really really uh, enjoy playing together they enjoy winning football games together which is more important uh and and hopefully you know other players are going to be no they're going to look at that and they're going to want that for themselves they're going to want to be part of this close-knit group of footballers and they want to be successful at a club like Tottenham. And Holly, it's fair to say that the squad is far from perfect going into this final third of the season. People will point to, you know, personnel lacking in certain departments. However, you know, the departures of Danny Rose and Carl Walker-Peters, are they good for the club, albeit for slightly different reasons? Uh, yeah, I think, obviously, no one's going to be 100% with our dealings in January, but I think we definitely made a statement and one that I think we've needed for a very long time. I think Daddy Rose leaving, obviously, on a loan move to Newcastle, I think was probably the best option. And I could probably see him staying there, if I'm honest, when the summer comes. Like he said in his interview, he said he prefers the chip shops up there. So if he's happy, <laughs> let him have it. But um, I'm not... I don't want to put a negative spin on it, but he has been a very good servant to the club. But personally, he can stay up there if he wants that. And if that's how he 
wants to go on playing his football career, like, I wish him all the best. And with Kyle Walker-Peters, I think that's also a very good move. Like, I do really want to see him in the Tottenham side, but I think it's nice if he goes away to Southampton, and which I think they need him, personally. I think it will definitely give him a bit of a confidence boost getting first-time football regularly. So, yeah, I think it's a good low move for both of them. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, like I say, for different reasons, Danny Rose obviously made clear he didn't want to be there. And you think, well, you know, if that's where we are, then just move on. And I think, you know, fans shouldn't forget his length of service. Up to a certain point, it was really, really good. It's just a shame that it's always, I guess, what you call recency bias, that what happens in your most recent sort of memories are what sort of taints your whole sort of time there. So hopefully, a bit further down the line, people will like to look at him in a bit of a, a better light. The same with Christian Eriksen. I think once the dust has settled and he's finally sort of settled into Inter Milan, you know, a season or two down the line, you'll sort of remember how good he really, really was. But, you know, I think you have to remember that football, like in life, evolves and no team stays together forever. And on that point, Shivani, we've got a question from at Click Bakes, and he asks, do you think Lucas Moura has a long-term future at the club? And he does sort of add the caveat that it might sound a bit of a strange question, but he feels that apart from that night in Amsterdam and also that good game against Manchester United at Old Trafford, he hasn't really pushed on. And again, it's always that consistency which seems to be the question mark that hangs over his head yeah um for me i think i like lucas mora again he's a player who tries hard obviously everyone's always going to remember that night in amsterdam um you know he's a hero for that but you know everyone when potch was still here everyone used to say oh, why is he only giving lucas five minutes here or there you should be starting lucas you should be playing him more and all of this well he's been starting games now and he's sort of proving to everyone why he wasn't getting game time um, I personally don't think he's 100% good enough to be in our starting eleven. What I do think, though, is that he's he's quite a good sub to bring on. You know, it, let's say 2-2 with 20 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go. You bring on Lucas Moura, he, he might make that difference. You know, he's got that... He, he's an impact player. Uh, he's, he's a super sub for me. That's what I think. Uh, maybe not so long term, but I think he'll, I think he'll be around for a few more years. Um, and like I said, I think I think he'll end up being one of those players we just bring off the bench to try and make a difference to a game. Um, I don't really think he should be in the starting eleven. Although right now with Kane out, we don't we don't really have a choice. Yes, I guess that sort of answer it all depends on the kind of question is backed up by: Is Harry Kane fully fit? You know, have you got a full strength team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think it's not necessarily like a rigid question. So. At the moment, you're almost in a position of can beggars be choosers? Probably not. Yeah, exactly. I, I would say I would say keep him as a good backup player. I wouldn't say we'd be looking to sell him. Basically, um, I would definitely say to keep him in the squad and bring him on when we need him. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I think he's he's obviously got a use. I think where we can do it over ninety minutes week in week out, you're probably thinking no. But you know that's not necessarily the worst thing because you do need impact players you do need a plan B what have you so if you had everyone playing the same kind of football you'd never really sort of do anything different so I think he's handy to have I think like you say you're not really in a position to sell him and I think you'd get at least I don't know another 18 months out of him at the minimum right James it does seem like results went away this weekend in a massive way so you know we have been guilty especially on this podcast of getting into full storm territory and you know hanging our hats on hopes and all that but how do Tottenham now assert their dominance in the race for top four? And I guess without getting too ahead of ourselves, they might need to do something special at Stamford Bridge in just a few weeks' time. Yeah, that's that's going to be a real six-pointer, you know, if if we're trying not to avoid cliches. Um, Go from James, know, use one. No. <laughs> it's a season of two halves, um, and we're into the second half of it now. So, you know, I, 
I think we always talked on on this pod about how we needed to have that run of games um, of, of real consistency. Um, you know, we've we've got a couple under our belt now, so it, it needs to this, it needs to be now. It's now or never. Um, we, we've got to get. Uh, we, we always seem to go on a run post Christmas of, of not losing a game, and and that 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 has to be the same this season. Uh, and then if we can go to to Stamford Bridge and get a result there, which you know it's it's a good time to play them. They're not playing their best football. Um, few injury worries, just like us. Haven't really bought anyone in January, just like us. Um, and you know you've always got the impact of, of Jose going back there. Um, he's he's going to really really want to get something out of Stamford Bridge. So you know, that game is is probably going to be the make or break for for uh, us getting into the top four. Um, you know, I, that said, I, I still believe that we've, we've got the squad, um, we've, we've got the players in the squad to, to, to really push it down to the wire. Either way, I, it's not going to be a million miles away if we do miss out on the top four. Um, but, you know, a, there's been a lot of talk about prioritising the FA Cup over the top four. Um, you know, I've, I've, my views on that are very clear every time. I, I would much, much rather be in the top four and playing Champions League football than than have an FA Cup. That's you know that is 100% for me. Um, I would I wouldn't swap Champions League nights at, at the lane um, for anything. You know, especially not Europa League nights and a day out at Wembley. Um, th- there's no chance. So you know it's got to be a priority for me. Uh, and and you know hopefully hopefully Jose will be looking ahead at that Chelsea game already. Um, and and you know thinking about how we can how he can go back to his former club and and get a result because it's going to be an absolutely huge huge game for us. Absolutely. I mean, whether it's a must win, I'm not too sure. It's certainly a do not lose. I mean, if we get a draw there, it's not the worst result. But you know, you mentioned the FA Cup, which we'll get to next. But I think when you sort of say about prioritising, if we were bumbling about eighth or ninth in the league, you think okay, yes, let's prioritise the FA Cup. But the position you're in at the moment, then surely. You do have the squad to do both. There's no, you know, FA Cup's going to be what an extra four or five matches at the very, very most. Surely there's enough scope, James, for us to be gunning for both top four and silverware. Yeah, it's it's the side of the argument that we never seem to explore really. When when we get asked, what would you rather cups and fifth or fourth and no trophies? You know, why why not both? Um, I guess the answer to why not both is is because of how how narrow our squad is at the moment, how thin we're spread on the ground. Um, you know, something that that Jose was talking about straight after last night's game. You know, instead of um, being elated about the result, he still seemed a little bit peeved that, that he had to go and play another game in a couple of days' time with with the same amount of players. You know, and, it, and it's going to be it is going to be a bit of a struggle. Um, but you know, these are professional athletes. As long as they're managed in the right way, um, there's no reason why they they can't play. You know that both fixtures. You know, certain players in the squad we know won't be able to. Players like Jan Vertonghen and probably players like Eric Dyer, certainly Tongi and Dombele, who, who looks really unfit at the moment. But you know, they've all got a role to play, and as long as they're managed properly uh, under one of the best managers in the world, um, then and you know, there's no reason why why they can't play every game. We've got some young, fit lads in that squad, and uh, and hopefully they've they've got it in them to to complete. You know, probably two or three games in a week. And Holly, talking of the FA Cup, it's Southampton on Wednesday. Will we get the job done second time around? I'm going to say yes. Yes, I want them yes. To <laughs> I can't go into work with loads of Saints fans in my ear. I can't be having it. So, yes, we need to win. And to be honest, I think we can. I think, yes, that City game 
we did ride our luck but why can't we do it again but why can't we do it again but actually not ride our luck and just do it because we can like I think it's a real confidence boost and I think if we ride on this momentum beating the same yeah, completely agree with that. I mean, obviously, you've just got the better of Man City. You're at, a, you know, probably one of the highest moments of the season so far. Surely, you should be taking that positive mindset. And really, let's be honest, you should be able to deal with Southampton quite convincingly. However, Shivani, do you think that will be the case? Or will we have to sort of take it all the way to uh, extra time and penalties if needed? No, I think we should be able to get the job done. I mean, I like to think that yesterday's game might be a bit of a turning point for us now. You know, we went and beat a big side. Uh, got a good win, kept a clean sheet. You know, yes, we got a bit of luck, but it's not. It's not the point. Hopefully, now we can we can take that and just keep on going and winning games. Um, so I think everyone will still be buzzing from Sunday um, when it comes to Wednesday night. Uh, hopefully, the crowd can lift the team a little bit and they can get the job done in ninety minutes. Um, extra time penalties would be a bit of a nightmare, to be honest, because as you said, we're spread quite thin at the moment. So to play the extra minutes would just just damage us a little bit further so yeah hopefully we get it done in the 90 minutes I think we definitely can I think we might um, have a quite a comfortable game I like to think but I'm quite an optimist so no, there's nothing wrong with that at all we'll get to predictions very very shortly but I'll just over you very quickly Shivani can you see many changes if at all to the starting 11 that took to the field against Manchester City uh, I'd possibly make a couple of changes here and there but um you know, it depends on, you know, players are tired or, you know, they're feeling a little bit strained anywhere. Um, maybe one or two players out, but I think he'll keep it quite... I'll keep, I think he'll keep the squad quite consistent. OK, right, it is prediction time. So, Holly, I'll start with you. What do you think is going to be the score on Wednesday? Uh, I'm going to go for... I reckon 3-1. 3-1. Lovely stuff. Shivani, what about yourself? I'm going to go 2-1 Spurs. 2-1. And James, what about you, mate? Uh, I'm going to go for 2-0 uh, Tottenham. OK. In that case, I'll take 1-0. Uh, so, across the board, we're into the fifth round of the FA Cup. How about that? Lovely stuff. Right. That is about it for this evening. I just need to do a bit of admin. First up, obviously, questions, comments, feedback. Do send them in to myself, at DanTracy1983, or the... Come on, you Spurs official Twitter account. I've raw. We'll get to them. That's absolutely fine. Now I need to thank my guest, Shivani. An absolutely sterling debut. I hope you enjoyed it. And more importantly, you'd like to join us once again. Yeah, definitely. Really enjoyed it. And I'll definitely be back. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Holly, pleasure as always. Thanks for your time again. Really enjoyed it. And I hope you'd like to join us once more. Cheers. Yeah, no, definitely. I loved it. Fantastic. And James, what are we going to do next week? Are we going to talk about the Southampton game next Monday? Do you want to do that? I'm just I'm thinking on the top of my head here. Well, um, it, it depends on how good the uh, the Southampton game is, I suppose. Let's see how much there is to talk about. I'm sure with it being Tottenham, uh, um, we'll either, we, won't, we'll, we won't make it easy. So uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about. I'm sure there'll be something, so don't worry about that. Right then, don't panic. We will be back next week. And with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always... Come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.